Daniel. Pistol Pete. What's going on, buddy? It's been a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a stretch, I would say. It's been a little bit, but we're we're back. Episode twenty-eight, if I have that yeah. correct. Twenty-eight, yes. 28. And dandy, you have that. And dandy, you have that correct. A little bit of a stretch in between, but we figured that we would get absolutely buried by the bevy of podcasts and shows that we're talking about the Super Bowl. So we will give our thoughts when we talk about a certain topic later on in the episode. But then, 27 down. This is 28. There's always one question that always starts these. And I have to know, how are you? I am good. I'm, I'm all good. Not much to report. You know, middle of February, that part of the reason why we, you know, we had a little bit of a gap is there's a lot of downtime in sports right now, but um, we're, I've been good. Looking forward to, to knocking this one out. I think we, uh, we've come up with a lot of good, good topics to talk about, things that are going to matter going forward and maybe in March and things like that. Uh, so it's going to be a good one. How are you? Yeah. I, I'm good, man. I, I really am. I, you know, if this is, this is a good time. It's uh the weather is sort of nice. Yeah. You know, the uh the content has been flowing uh for me over on YouTube and uh you know, it, it's a nice low in between. It's like I feel like it's necessary. Like you probably especially since you report on sports 25-8. You know, you you're always on. Right. It's kind of nice to get that little bit of break in between like what's relevant and like like after the Super Bowl and then what's relevant. So I'm assuming the way that you feel is like after the Super Bowl, the next big thing you have to look forward to is March Madness. Yeah, definitely. Now there's I mean, I follow college basketball from from start to finish. So there's always something to keep me entertained. But yeah, there's nothing like there's nothing huge going on. Until then, and you know, NFL free agency too kind of overlaps with uh, with that. But this is a this is a year where we're not sure we're going to see as much activity in the NFL as last year. So you know, it varies by year. Very, very. Po- it's impossible to duplicate what we saw last year. No, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if we'll see that again in the next 10, 20 years. The ridiculous amount of trades we saw last year. Maybe, maybe on one of these episodes, we'll just recap that just to show people. Uh, how insane that was but um yeah no this is a it's a it's a time of year of anticipation just you know march madness coming up the nfl offseason hasn't really gotten underway um mm-hmm. and then of course spring training started well the the players have shown up to spring training uh so we know baseball is on the way it's about yeah, this, uh, the yankee season weeks. is already over since frankie <laughs> montas is out for the season that's you know, and, and nestor is injured and you know that's a disaster already thank god can you imagine i mean we didn't even discuss this, but I feel like since you brought it up, can you imagine if they didn't sign Carlos Rodon, what, what they would be in right now? Yeah, it seems like that always happens, that the Yankees make like a luxury signing, and then it turns out to be like a, uh, yeah, a huge necessary. deal. They wouldn't, they wouldn't survive without it. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks it's like so, that's what's, what's going on again. That's ridiculous, but we've well, got five a weeks out for baseball, so. I, I unbelievable that it's only five weeks, but these five weeks are going to go by so slow until it's – until. I hate spring training. I hate. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't. I don't. I want. I'll watch like the first spring training game to yeah. say like, "Oh, look, baseball," and then I'm done. Like I'm, it, I'm completely checked out. But you know, like that's because biggest, there's so much going on in March between college basketball, yeah. and the NFL, that it's I like could just put it aside. Proverbial cock tease that there is. It's just like, it's like, you know, you know why it's such a tease because like, it's not like 
the NFL preseason where it's like no one really cares until like the third preseason game. It's like people care for the first two games. You get that one player on every single team that lights up spring training that doesn't even make the team. Chris and Bryant, we hit like 500 in spring yeah, training. They, put they play in every game. They play every day. It's like, to me, I would just, I feel like so many players get injured in spring training too. That like, I would just cut it to like the last two weeks of March. Just do two weeks of spring training and then have like two days off in between and then just start the season. Like, I mean, I've been, I've been advocating for this since I was like 10 years old because well, I'm like, me, I want baseball to count. <laughs> let me mention too. I know this isn't everybody's favorite and I, I was 16 the last time they had it. So I, you know, I don't have a ton of memories about it, but the world baseball classic is next month too. And, you know, you hear that and you're like, all right, you know, the probably just going to be like the U S the DR Japan. Has it really been that long since the last time that they've yeah, had? Yeah, because I think I think COVID knocked one out. That's right. Um, that's right. It did. So I think 20, 2017. So I think it's been six years. Uh, but if, I don't have I don't have it in front of me. But if anybody wants to look up the Dominican Republic uh, lineup for this World Baseball Classic, it might be one of the best collections of baseball players ever assembled. And you know, when you count like all the injuries and all that, I think it's better than any All Star lineup that we've seen recently. It's ridiculous, well, the amount of guys. Maybe I should look it up. I'm looking it up right now. I spelled Republic wrong. Uh, but <laughs> and the U.S., that. by the way, is pretty loaded, too. Um, yeah, but I, the DR, I mean, I've never, I've almost never seen a collection of talent like it. So it's yeah, actually going to be – I think it's it, going to be a lot of fun. It's unbelievable. And they lost, like, two of their top – they lost um, – who was it? They, they lost uh, that guy on the, the Rangers. I'm drawing a blank on his name. They lost, like – Yoan Duran and like uh, um, oh, Jose Leclerc, they lost due to injury. And it's like still, it doesn't even matter. Like, yeah, here, here's their baby. infield. You know, keep in mind, you can only start four guys in an infield. Um, this is just going in, in order uh, of, this is in alphabetical order. Uh, Willie Adamas, Robinson Cano, I don't know how he found his way on there. Rafael <laughs> Devers, Wander Franco, uh, Vlad Jr., Manny Machado, Cattell Marte, Jeremy Pena, Gene Segura. And that's like, oh my, I don't know why it's like impossible. That's nine guys for four for four spots. So realistically, you could have Vlad Jr. at first base, um, you know, Manny Machado at third. Oh no, Rafael Devers at third, Manny Machado at shortstop. Second base could be Cattell Marte. It's the World Baseball Classic. You could put Jeremy Pena there. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, you're probably looking at the same thing that I'm looking at. Then you have, I mean, it's just like it, it's absolutely insane. I saw I saw the roster. Uh, the other day, and I saw the lineup. I'm actually going to pull it up now. You know, it's a really trusty tool when you don't know something. Twitter is a really yes, trusty tool. Uh, While you're looking that up, let me mention the outfield. Juan Soto, Julio Rodriguez, and then take your pick between Eloy Jimenez and Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd take Teoscar because Eloy is an atrocious defender. So, Unfortunately, though, well, Teoscar's not a great defender either. But yeah, but he's better he's than uh, Unfortunately, though, their catcher appears to be Gary Sanchez. Who, by the way, is still a free agent. If anybody, if anybody's looking for a catcher. so I got I got it right here. This is what it, it's looking like. It's going to shape up to be. So it's uh, Starling Marte, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Vladdy Jr., Rafael Devers, Jose Ramirez, Jeremy Pena, Gary Sanchez, Julio Rodriguez. Which, which I, I mean, that's better than any All Star lineup you could get. I yeah, think. it's ins- that's insane. That it's it's ins- it's crazy. And then the pitching. You know, you got Sandy Alcantara in there. I know that. Yeah, of course, he's wearing the shirt as as I say it. 
there's a couple really good. I think um, I don't. I don't. I just looked at it and was like, "Oh, that's insane!" It just gets better and better every time the World Baseball Classic comes around. Do you look at the roster and you're like, "Oh, well, they're gonna win," and then they don't. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they get. I think they. I think every every country kind of gets more big name players involved every time. Like USA. Yeah, USA yeah, no, the USA is loaded. I mean, they usually don't get this many guys. And um, Japan has a lot of talent too. The only thing is no uh, no Masahiro Tanaka, who I was, I'm very disappointed by. All time great. Yo, I, you know what was funny? I saw like obviously me being Italian. Like I looked at the Italian lineup. It's really not bad. And then you know what? You know what lineup actually took me by surprise is not the worst I've ever seen. Israel <laughs> it actually has what a decent I, what lineup. Do they have? I haven't even seen it. I'm gonna look it up right now. Uh, I spelled Israel wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I a know great Japan father. has Lars Newtbar. Apparently, if all you need is some heritage and you get in. Wow, that I didn't. I, you know what? Lars Newtbar is a solid baseball player. It, it's it's he's a solid baseball player and he's an incredible name. Yeah, I mean Newtbar. <laughs> Cardinals uh, fans love him. Cardinals fans think he's like you know headed for an All Star season. I don't I don't know about that. Yeah, I I, I heard a lot about that too. Uh, all right, I can't find it. It's giving me macaroons for some reason. I don't know. Let's just move on. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the I, I spent like a morning looking at these, and the World Baseball Classic site, you know, MLB is like terrible with technology. Yeah. The World Baseball Classic site was like half the countries would redirect to Australia. So I'd like click on, um, you know, the Italy roster, and it would just bring me to Australia. I, I couldn't understand why. why it they only want us to see Grant Balfour. And that's it. The only, the, that's it. Um, yeah, and I didn't know anybody on the world on the Australia roster. So. Oh, I see. All right, let me see if I can find. I looked up, tried to look up the Israel roster, and I see just in a headline that Jock Peterson's on it. Yeah, the Israel one. So that's you, it's a decent lineup. It's not. It's not great, but it's not like what you would think. Yeah, Alex Dickerson has spent a few years in the majors. Mm-hmm. That's not terrible. Uh, Dean Kramer, who's part of the Orioles rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty Kelly was with the Mets for a little bit. Hey. Ryan Lahornway was with the Red Sox for a little bit. Danny Valencia. That one was surprising to me. Uh, maybe that's, that's why the World Baseball Classic is interesting. You get the most random mix mix of guys. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's super strange. That's why I, I, I love it. But it's nice to finally see it back because, like, you know – you look at the rosters from like the last one and then this one, it's completely different because it was so much time in between that half of these guys either retired or like irrelevant now. So it's interesting to see for sure. We definitely got on a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a detour there because the first it's thing, we wanted, the, the first thing we wanted to talk about was the NBA all-star game. And uh, I don't really, we don't really want to like talk, talk about it. I just wanted to bring up a couple interesting things that, I saw on Twitter, there was a couple, you know, um, just like Monday morning quarterbacks going, oh, that was the worst basketball game I have ever seen. I would never give that any time on my television. And it's like, listen, no one cares. The only, you know what? It's not a good game. The Pro Bowl is not a good game. The MLB All-Star game is probably the second best thing to watch. I'd say the NHL All-Star Game is the most fun to watch because it's three-on-three hockey going up and down the ice the entire time. I mean, granted, you know, the goaltending is not great, but you see a lot of stars. You get to see a lot of combinations of lines that you 
that you've never seen before. Like we saw Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin on the same line, like in this past one. Like that's really, really cool. You know, no game, an exhibition game is not going to be amazing. I don't, I don't know when we're living in 2023, maybe by 3023, people will realize that any exhibition game that you put with professional athletes that play months already, that devote their entire well-being and physical, mental, emotional, anything to it. They're they're not gonna those players yesterday would definitely have rather been home with their families or doing anything probably than playing an exhibition basketball game. At, yeah. Except for except for Jason Tatum. <laughs> except for Jason Tatum who had the night of his life. <laughs> um yeah, I mean there's I, I, I there's a case to be made though. Like, of course they're not gonna play like lockdown defense. You know, they don't play defense in the regular season, so why are they gonna play defense in the offseason? Yeah, exactly. But I mean if you I think what, what they owe to the fans, let's push back on you a little bit, what they owe to the fans is a competitive end to the game. Like at least maybe in the final, I know there's not final minutes because they have this that new format, or it's really not new, but that, that different format um, where there's a target score at the end of the game, which I think is kind of ridiculous uh, mm-hmm. to begin with. But I think at the end of the game, you owe it to the fans to try and win. And so yesterday um, – this is really the only part I watched. That's why I'm not really going to comment on the rest of the game. But uh, at the end of the game, you know, Team Giannis was up by like 15 or something. And then uh, the the other side. So, you know, they were they were getting close to that target score. So they were just kind of heaving up shots from half court to try to win it that way. And that's fine. You know, you're up by 10. You know, you can, you can take those chances and try to make it fun. Um, but then, you know, they weren't making them. So then Team LeBron starts coming back into it. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, Team LeBron, if you if you just get to put together a couple stops here, you can actually win this game. Um, and then, and then they, you know, listen, I mean, it's not hard to get a stop, uh, but if you, you know, you, you got to put in a little bit of effort. Uh, and then they go down the court, you know, down six, and they look like they're playing some defense. And then there's Laurie Markkinen, who doesn't have anybody within twenty five feet of him. Uh, in the in the corner there with a three to either I don't I forget if it was either to win the game or to cut that score to three you know three points that they needed everybody just stood there and watched him like they they passed to him and everybody that you know nine guys are just standing there nobody's making an effort well you know while this game's in reach I think even the, the announcers I think even Brian Anderson groaned a little bit uh, seeing that uh, it, it feels like you know, you you owe everybody a chance at the end to see a, a competitive five minutes instead of you know, you know nobody's going to get hurt in those five minutes if you just play a little bit. No, defense. But that's I, really I agree. I agree with you to some to some extent, but at the same time, I don't think that the players owe the fans anything. And I think that across any anything, like if you give if you give me an entertaining season, how much how we sit on our asses on our couch and watch basketball, baseball, football. For hours, if you compile the hours that I watch sports, it's probably more than I sleep, honestly, in a year. What more? Why do I have to sit on the couch and watch these guys try in an all-star? But it's not. Game? It's not necessarily you. I mean, eighteen thousand people paid. I, I can guarantee you, even in Utah, it's a ton of money to go to an all-star game. Yeah, but that's probably just for the for the star power itself to see these guys. I don't really think if I'm paying to go to an all-star game. You know what you're gonna get, though, Dan. You know that you're not gonna get. You do, but it's but it's not get. what you deserve. I, I mean, I I, I think well, five minutes of competitive play is all. I, I think it's. I think it's. I think it is ridiculous. I think. All it I is. For. And honestly, I think last year they gave it to us. Last year it was a close game. There have been some close games, 
And this year they they made it close at the end, and then everybody just kind of gave up. I think they owe the fans a little a little more effort. I don't think that they're. I don't think the fans are owed anything, especially if you're paying for the event. You know what you're gonna get. So if you from, pay, from you're from not all you, you know what you're gonna get. Product. You know what you're gonna get. If you listen, if I go to the Garden and see the Knicks versus the Celtics, right? And I see the type of basketball that I saw yesterday. Okay, I have a problem with that because that's a regular season game that means something. I'm not going to go to an All Star game and sit there and go, oh, I can't believe they're not playing defense. I know what I'm getting. That's why I paid to go. I'm not. I'm not paying to see you know a, a 99, 98 game. I want to see 187 points scored for, for each team. I mean, yeah, that's just me. I get that, but. I don't necessarily care if it's competitive or not. I don't think, considering how much these guys put on the well, I mean, maybe not basketball because they get load management and everything, <laughs> but considering all these athletes give throughout the course of the season and what really matters, I don't think that the fans are owed anything. Yeah, they're all going to be uh, resting on on the the day the All Star break ends. You know, due to load management, they're going to be they're going to be taking their time. Uh, easing back into everything. See, that see that is if you want if you want me to agree that the fans don't deserve something it's that it's the load management thing if you want to talk about that I'm on board with that how but, about give us five competitive minutes in the all star game no all, I don't care about all <laughs> that's all I want in, in I mean like you mentioned in baseball they get they give it to you I know it's hard to fake it well it's, it's hard to fake competitiveness in baseball <laughs> you know Matt, Matt Scherzer takes the mound in the all star game and he looks like he's about to like murder people yeah. But I, I mean, like, I think people. I, I just want to maybe reiterate it and think that that people that think that they're going to turn an all star game on in any sport and it's going to be relatively competitive and the the, the players are going to give it their all because we spent our hard burned American dollars on it. Listen, you're not going to get it. And honestly, if I was an athlete and I was an all star, I would do the same exact thing. Because why am I playing this ridiculous exhibition game? I I think honestly, if you want my honest opinion across all sports, I think all star games are stupid. I think you should get. I think in the NBA, you should get an all NBA, you know, selection and a, an all star selection. You shouldn't you know when I used to play little league and I made the all star team? There was no all star game. <laughs> you just got the all star selection. Well, I, I think it is a big deal for the fans that go. It's a money you know, grab. They have. Oh, they they're, it's more than just the game. They they do they do. I think I believe fans are led into the All Star practice. No, I'm, I'm know, cool with the, I'm cool with like everything other than the game, and that goes yeah, for but, any but sport. But nobody's going to show up if there's no game. I mean, let's no, you know. I know the they skill, don't the skills competitions and the NBA especially three point contest skills competition, all that kind of stuff is massively more appealing to me than the game. It's same yes, thing but, with but, same thing with the home run derby with with baseball. Who who anyone that goes to a baseball game, or let's even say the casual fan, maybe not like me and you. What's the first thing that they want to say? I want to see a 500-foot home run hit today. And if all they're doing throughout the, the home run derby is hitting 500-foot home runs, that's going to be much more appealing than me watching a nine-inning 4-3 baseball game. I think I think the home run derby is the best all-star event uh, of any sport. And that includes no, every all-star game. Used to be good, but. I, I think that includes every all-star game. I think the home run derby is the best event that they do. Period. I love it. Yeah. Um, and it's the one they can't really change either. I know they changed the format a couple of years ago, but you know, the NBA has got a different format for the skills challenge every single year. Uh, it's so confusing. I was, I was texting someone 
during the skills challenge that I, I said, you know, back in my day, they would just put eight guys on the court and just time them. They, there That's was none it, of yeah. this team jazz, team Giannis, team rookies where they're missing. You know, I watched Jabari Smith miss like three, three pointers in a row. And then they just let him go. Like they didn't even let him make it. <laughs> they told him to keep going. Um, Good God, just go. I think, this, <laughs> I think this is why the NBA all-star game has a few critics now. Um, because Saturday night used to be the big attraction, and I yeah. still think it is, but it's just not as good as it used to be. Um, Three-point contest is still good. I, I know guys didn't really make a ton of threes the other night, but the format has Julius Randall gave a terrible, a it terrible. It was not the best three-point contest, but it's still it's still usually very entertaining. Last year was um, great. The slam dunk contest has you know fallen off steeply. However, every five or so years we get a good one, and I think uh, this weekend we actually got a good one. The only thing we're missing was like the you know the name recognition, but now Mac McClung's name is out there. So, um, yeah, I'm sure but, another ten day contract. You know, I'm gonna. Say, hey, I'd do it. I give a ten day contract just to wear my team's jersey on in the slam dunk contest. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. You know, back in my day, uh, the slam dunk contest used to be. I know I'm younger than you. Uh, the <laughs> slam dunk contest was like the event of the year. Like that was yeah. up there with the home run derby. Oh yeah. Um, and then, you know, everybody thought it was back when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were going at it, and then it fell off for a few years. I hope that they can, that they can uh, you know, continue to find guys like Mac McClung who fit in the NBA, but aren't, you know, maybe if they're not, if they're not stars, they're at least great dunkers, and they can, they can help move that, that contest along. Um, but, you know, the, I, I still think Saturday night is the highlight of the, the All-Star weekend. I think the Home Run Derby is the highlight of the MLB All-Star uh, week. Um, I'm already looking I, forward to it. I think the NHL skills competition is rising up too. I think that yeah. that's like I think that that's become more of an attraction, especially because like uh, Trevor Zegras and all those guys, like the young guys that actually put a little flair and pizzazz on their on their attempts and everything. I think that those the younger guys are really appealing to the fans and stuff. And you know, in in the um, I I I might be in the complete minority saying this, but I honestly enjoyed, I think it was a little bit, um, it was definitely unorganized, but what the NFL tried to do with the pro bowl this year, I think was a much better attempt that we've seen in years prior. So if they could kind of get all those events organized and maybe spread it out over like a three day period, instead of like cramming nine hours worth of events in, in one day, I think that they got something there, but and one thing that I wanted to mention as a complete maybe solution to everything is a Ryder Cup type of game for like for the NBA. So like, you know, Team America versus Team whatever, you know, the Team World, kind of like what what they do for the for the MLB before the All-Star game with the young guys where it's like Team USA versus Team International or whatever. Like, I think that would be a lot more fun to to watch, especially in like, especially with like hockey and stuff like that. That would be, I feel like that would be kind of really one-sided, but that, that would be a lot of fun to watch. You know, we, we've talked on here too about how ridiculously international the NBA is. And it's what yeah. David Stern did. And it was a great thing. And, you know, I think they mentioned it last night that like six of the 10 starters were internationally born. Yeah. Uh, so you'd have, a, I mean, that would be, I think, you know, we're at the point where like an international team against a, a, an American team would win every year. Um, I think, I think, I think, I think awesome. the NBA would be the perfect league to do that for. Um, you want to hear my idea that I had a long time ago? I don't think it would be very practical. Um, Let me hear it. <laughs> I, I, I think the NBA All-Star game or games 
should be kind of a, a tournament. And about, when I say tournament, I just mean like maybe five minute games or something like that, you know, because of how many games there would have to be between uh, draft classes. Have draft classes compete for, you know, wh- which group is the best? I mean, 27, you know, you could put like a, all right, you wouldn't be able to put individual draft classes. That's too many yeah. players coming. But, you know, you could put like the last three against the three before that and the three before that. And if you do that, that then the group changes every year because you yeah. got different, you know, you don't have the same guys going every year. But, you know, if you did like uh, 2020, you know, 2020 to 2022, you have Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, um, you know, who Tyrese Halliburton, who was in 2021 that I'm forgetting. Um, I don't even remember who was in that 2021 draft class. Well, you get the point. Uh, you know, 2017 <laughs> to 2019, John Morant, Zion Williamson, Jason Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic. Oh, I mean, one there's time. five right there. Be, uh, playing in an all-star game. He'll probably break something. or yeah. Yeah. But but, There's five right there. You know, if you had like six teams or something broken up into draft classes, I think that would mm-hmm. be fun. And, you know, you could have the old guys too. Like obviously LeBron makes it on zone. But if you wanted to have like, you know, some other guys from way back when. <laughs> the 2003 draft class will just be LeBron James and no one else. <laughs> well, that's why you'd have to you'd have to include a few draft classes. Maybe 07 that you could put Durant on his team with Al Horford or something. You want to throw him in there. Oh, <laughs> this is, of course, like not counting. You know, you like this is in, in the event like you name an all-star team and then you just invite a bunch of guys anyway. You know, you, mm-hmm. not everybody who has to come. Has to be an all-star. I, I like this. I, I think that there's so many different options for every single sport. And I feel like that's another reason why maybe the players don't necessarily care as much. Because it seems like there's no effort from the leagues to like make something a little bit more fun for the players. So I feel like they're oh they're always thinking about the players and the I mean the the fans and the players are like the pawns. It's like, okay, Jimmy. Go out there and you know perform your little your little dance so they could throw money in your hat. You know it's all about the fans. I I, I get it. I do get it. That like you know, it's basically for fan entertainment. But you got to make it worthwhile for the players too. You got to think about them too and think about well maybe I really don't want to do this. Maybe if you give me a, a more fun or a more interesting option, then I'd put a little bit more effort into it. I think that that they should kind of consider that. I really do like the. I saw that on Twitter, by the way, the, the like Ryder Cup kind of thing. I, I thought that was that was a really interesting yeah. um, way to look at it. But I mean, I didn't really watch any of the game. I just I, I don't even want to talk necessarily about the game. I just kind of thought that the rebuttal that the game was getting from these couch potatoes on Twitter was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and I thought that there were some interesting options. So you know, hopefully, maybe over the next couple of years. We see some different types of ideas and stuff, not even for the for the NBA, just in general. Uh, but I thought that would be interesting. Dan, now moving on, still speaking about basketball, but something that's really more your area of expertise. I kind of want you to, well, we discussed this before, kind of want you to give us a little, uh, a little refresher, a little refresher course on what's going on in the world of college basketball now, especially since the seeds are starting to really take shape right now, I think it would be a really appropriate time to kind of get people in the know. And by people, I mean me. So <laughs> so what do you want to know? You, you tell me. Just get just. All right. The first thing I want to know is because I feel like the top teams in, but just by looking at your posts, I feel like the top teams this year have been not nearly as dominant as we've seen in years past. Yeah. By the way, I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I figured that what you want to know is what other people want to know. So yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do. Yeah, so well, I figure but... I figure you speak for other people. So 
Um, yeah, no, this is a, uh, listen, I, I'll sit here every year and say like, I feel like every year we hear from people, this year's tournament is going to be crazy. There's no dominant team. Uh, this year, it's actually more true than other years. It, it, it really is. I think, I think things are going to be different this year. And the reason is the transfer portal. Everybody's like, oh, the transfer portal. And, and this is my concern too. You know, that the transfer portal means that UNC and Duke and Kentucky are going to stack up on uh, you know, stars every year. Uh, no, that's not, that's, it's not working that way. I mean, every year in the transfer portal, these, these guys are going to, um, you know, I, I'm looking at, I have the graphic right here in front of me. I could pick every single one of these teams and they have an impact transfer from this past year. It, it's actually really well spread out. Um, and so for, I think for that reason, you're not seeing all these dominant teams. I mean, let, let's look at the top, the top four seeds. And by the way, these are like pretty solidly in there. It can change. But as of now, like these are the top four um, in any order you want, which is Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. Um, but they've they've all looked vulnerable at different points. I mean, Kansas is dominant at home, but you put them on the road, like they play at TCU tonight, and they're they're an underdog. That's how that's how loaded the Big Twelve is, and that's how much parity there is. You know, they've kind of looked questionable on the road, and of course, you're not playing at home in the tournament, so that's why it's you know there's that. Purdue has lost three. Purdue has lost three out of their last four. Um, you know they've got they've got Zach Eady, who if, if nobody knows is the top player in the country. Um, you know he averages he's averages like twenty and ten. He's like seven three, complete complete monster. Um, but you know unfortunately that's really all they got. Everybody else is kind of there's a lot of freshman uh, freshman guards there, and that doesn't usually work out very well in March. But they've earned a one seed so far. Um, Alabama is probably the best team in the country. They've got, they've got too much going on. They have a top five draft pick, uh, NBA draft pick and Brandon Miller, who's been like a shockingly good freshman. Uh, but they've got, they've got just about everything. They've, they've got a, um, a big time transfer, Mark Sears. They have a ton of size. Uh, they can shoot. Brandon Miller can literally do everything. So they're probably the best team in the country. But then again, like, you know, they rely a lot on a freshman and they haven't really been here before, at least not, you know, past the, yeah sweet 16 so who knows um and then houston and houston is uh houston a lot of people doubted houston last year because they were very injured including myself i I had them losing in the first round and they made it to the elite eight this year they're better like the you know in terms of the roster they're better um and they only have two losses and one of them was to alabama um but they also play in the AAC, which is not a very not a great yeah. conference. And, you know, it used to be a great, it used to be a, a much stronger conference, and now it's not that different than like playing in Gonzaga's conference. So they're kind of unproven, and that that can hurt you in March sometimes. I mean, they've got time to get adjusted, but um, so you know that just the whole point of that one to show people who the top four teams are right now, two to show how ridiculously. Uh, balanced it is because every all four of those teams you can say well look they've got a flaw a big flaw heading into march um so you know there's there's a bunch of other teams down here that are that can make an impact obviously last year an eight seed made the final four north carolina the year before that an 11 seed made the final four ucla so you know who knows which one of these teams is going to just come out of nowhere um, there's always if you one want to know anything else I'm, i got you yeah i mean uh, there's a couple more questions i have one of them I just got to get off my chest right now. So this is something that probably everyone that's listening 
is probably wondering right now. No, and Saint that, John's will not make and that is where you have St. John's ranked. <laughs> it is not. It's not happening for St. John's this year. Are they even in the NIT? Like, what's going on here? Maybe. I mean, I guess they, they could make the NIT. <clears throat> you know, listen, the, here's why you can't ever rule it out. Because, you know, if you win your conference tournament, you go to the tournament. Georgetown well, two years ago. <laughs> two years ago, Georgetown was nine and twelve. This is the COVID year. Uh, well, the year after COVID, but the year that the everybody played like fewer games than than usual because of COVID. Um, Georgetown, I think, was nine and twelve going into the Big East tournament, and they won four in a row. Like out of for no reason, they won four in a row. They finished thirteen and twelve, and they got in because they won the Big East and they they got a twelve seed. They lost uh, to to Colorado. Uh, but that same year, Oregon State did it too, out in the Pac-12, and they went to the Elite Eight out of for some reason, you know. So it, you never know. Um, however, if St. John's goes in and wins the Big East tournament over five teams that are projected to go to the tournament, um, yeah, I'll, I, I don't know what I do. I, I, I it's not going to happen. But no, absolutely not. But the the but, beauty of March is you can't rule it out. So another question. <laughs> That was more of a troll question, if you guys couldn't <laughs> tell. But uh, really, what I, another thing I want to know is, you know, like we just talked about, there's always that one team, or there's always those two teams that make it far past, you know, where where we think that they're going to go. So, give me. All right, I don't know if this is a loaded question, or or give me one team from each region that you think could go farther than people are thinking. All right, now region meeting. Like in the in the bracket or whatever, you know how there's like four. Isn't there like four regions or yeah, whatever? But the, bracket, but the bracket's not here yet. So okay, so right now, <laughs> right now, all right. So let me give you all right. Four teams. How low do you think? Like how you know? Like as low as you want to go. Right? Just, as, as low as maybe four teams that are being disrespected. Okay, right now. I got you. So I, I think some of the two teams that have kind of been injured, but if they actually get and stay healthy. Could be really good. Um, TCU. I know, I know, I know I lost some credibility promoting TCU before the national championship game, but that was a different sport. Uh, TCU um, is uh, around a five or six seed right now. They almost beat and maybe should have beaten uh, the number one seed, Arizona, last year in the round of 32, one of the best games of the tournament. They went to overtime. Um, they, they brought back basically everybody. Um, you know, they don't have a perfect record because one, they're in the big 12, which is just loaded with t- with talent. I mean, eight, eight of the 10 teams might go to the tournament, really good, yeah. really good conference. Um, and they just lost a few games cause they didn't have their top scorer, Mike Miles, who averages like 16, 17 a game. He's back now. And then the first game back, they beat Oklahoma state projected, projected tournament team, like 175 wow. and in college basketball. You don't score 100. Yeah. Um, quite often. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if they can keep him healthy and stay healthy, and they get out of the Big 12. You know, they don't have to play those teams anymore, at least for a little bit. And they can play some uh, inferior conferences in the tournament. I think they can, they, they're can. they a team that can go to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8. Mm. Um, Marquette, which is – they're a top four seed right now. But I still think they're kind of being overlooked. Uh, Marquette is, is a, a really good team out of the Big East. They don't have any stars. They don't. And sometimes those teams win I just because they play like teams. Um, they were projected like, I don't know, what are they, how many teams there in the Big East? Like 11? They were projected like ninth coming into the year. Uh, but Shaka Smart, who once took VCU, ah. 
to the to the final four and he didn't it didn't work out in Texas because I think it just wasn't the right fit for him. He's found the right fit at Marquette. He's got a team of guys that play really sound basketball. Um, I actually saw them play here in person because I, I saw them face Georgetown in DC. They just play very smart basketball. They have a, a bunch of guys who can score and be playmakers. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if a team like Marquette, who didn't, didn't really, doesn't really have the name recognition um, in terms of talent, as other teams went to went to the Elite Eight or something like that. Um, Arkansas is another team where they've they've kind of banged up all year. Um, two guys are not. I think there's there's uh, there's at least one guy who's just not coming back, which is unfortunate. Um, but they've got a, a freshman, Nick Smith Jr., who's kind of been he's going to be a, uh, in a lottery pick. Uh, he's been battling injuries on and off. He just came back. I think he might be dealing with something again. <clears throat> but if they, they're going to be a tournament team, if they can just keep him in a, in a bubble until March uh, and have him come out and he plays like like he can, um, I think they're a team that can make a surprising run. Eric Musselman, their head coach, is really good. He's made a few deep runs in the tournament before. He took Nevada to the Sweet 16. Um, Arkansas went to the Elite Eight two years ago. Last year they beat Gonzaga. Uh, in the Sweet 16, so they went to the Elite Eight. Um, they have a really good coach who's been there. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they made a little bit of a run. Um, let's Last see. One. Let's, let's, <laughs> I'm going to give you a fourth team. Um, let's take a look. I like Rutgers, you know, just to keep it local, huh. but like, I, but they they're not as good on the road as they are at home. So I wonder if if they, if they're Streak, their run of luck is going to end in the tournament. Probably. Um, let's see. Maybe uh, NC State beat North Carolina yesterday. They're very talented. They got they have a guy, Turquavion Smith, who probably could have been drafted last year, and he came back, um, which is, by the way, another reason why that we have so much parity is that NIL deals, you know, oh, yeah, drive back to these teams because they can make money now. So they're like, all right, you know, instead of going to Europe or being a second-round pick, like I'm going to come back and – you know, build up my brand and make some make a couple million off of <laughs> off of uh, you know NIL deals. Um, so yeah, NC State uh, they've got Turquavion Smith. They have a I completely forget this guy's name. They've got another I forget if he's a freshman or sophomore who played really well yesterday. Um, who looks like kind of a budding star. NC State is around an eight seed right now. I wouldn't be shocked to see them at least play a one seed or a two seed very competitively if they were up there. Um. So th- that's one team. St. Mary's too. I don't know if they count because like they're a five seed, but um, St. Mary's is are they really that good? I don't see like I don't know like much. Obviously, have, judging by what I just said before about regions, even though the regions aren't even out yet. Yeah, obviously, I don't know too they're much. Ahead of Gonzaga, <laughs> they're ahead of Gonzaga in that conference. They beat Gonzaga already, um, and they've got a they've got a freshman. And you're gonna know, you're gonna, you're gonna know his name one day because he's gonna be in the NBA. I don't know if he's gonna leave this year. It's kind of the unfortunate part for St. Mary's is, you know, they have a freshman who's playing so well that he might be playing himself into the NBA instead of returning. Uh, but Aiden Mahaney, which is like, he's the rare St. Mary's standout who's not like Australian. Because, you know, St. Mary's gets yeah. all of Australians, like Matthew Della Vadova um, and guys like that. Aiden Mahaney, who's actually from like, I think he's from like right around the corner over there in, in around the Bay Area. Uh, they got him to play there and he's like, He's a, he's a playmaker. Like he makes shots, but he's also uh, an amazing passer. He he won that game against Gonzaga for them himself as a freshman. He also had a a game winner against I think it was maybe BYU something like that. 
Um, if we're talking about like sometimes teams have guys, uh, you know, who t- completely just take over games in the tournament. Like last year, New Mexico State upset UConn in the first round because this guy Teddy Allen just completely went off. You know, Great turned man. into like Jesus. Um, <laughs> Aiden Mahaney might be that type of guy who goes off for like 20, 25 points and kind of takes the tournament by storm. Uh, so if you're looking for like maybe a, a surprise elite eight, elite eight team or something like that, maybe the best team St. Mary's has ever had. Wow. Very nice. And, and and also, not only did you give me four teams, you gave me another team to look for, and you gave me a player to watch as a potential breakout yes. candidate. Aiden Mahaney, you're going to know his name because if he, you know, if he doesn't, if he falls on his face in the tournament, he's still going to be an NBA player, I think. Okay. Very, very interesting things to look for. As these weeks go on and as these episodes come, I'm going to ask you more questions because I do like to, I always put a bracket in, so I don't put like a blind bracket in. I always do. A, a decent amount of research before I used to be pretty big into college basketball. And like, I think I, I think I'd say I stopped watching college basketball religiously around like 20, around like 2017 or 2018. I used to really, really enjoy it now. Not so much. I don't know what it was. It did nothing in particular, just kind of like grew out of kind of like watching it, I guess. But I, I always do enjoy March madness, obviously. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to come up more questions as the weeks go on. And uh, Dan, our college football, our college basketball correspondent, I appreciate you uh, coming on and and uh, you know informing us a little bit more. So, well, listen, I, you know, you know, I follow it from start to finish, but you know, you can guess where my bracket finishes, right? Like where I, where how how awful where my everyone else is. Yes. So throw your put your bracket out there, put it in there. I guarantee, I I, I have a good feeling yours is going to be better than mine. <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, I yeah. listen. There's something to be said about overthinking it. If you, I, I always overthink it, and I just get it. I get the whole thing wrong. There so. was one year. I think it was like 20, like 16. I was like 29 and three in like the first. Like it was like a ridiculous. Like I don't know how I even got that far into it. Like the yeah. first round. No, 20, 2016. Actually, I know you might not have the exact year there, but I, I, it made me think of it. 2016. Um, I had. Uh, Michigan State in the national championship game, and I had them facing West Virginia in the final four. Love that West Virginia team. Day two of the tournament, so still the first round, round of 64. Number two, Michigan State loses to number 15, Middle Tennessee. And then a few hours later, number three, West Virginia loses to number 14, Stephen F. Austin. So that's how that, that's how it usually goes for me. Like that's just. That's how it usually works out. Uh, so, you know, the way that, that I usually do it is I'll put like for my final four, the way that I usually have it is one number one seed, one number two seed, then like a then like a like a fourth or fifth seed, and then like a like a nine or ten. That's usually how because I feel like it always ends up sorta of, kinda around that area. So I try and have like I try and look at the best like eight, nine, ten seed, and then see who could make like a run. Yeah. somewhere or has like an easier path to like that. I always try and do it that way. I mean, I think one year it kind of sort of worked. I think I had UCLA that one. Uh, what was that? Two years ago. Yeah. I think I had them in like the elite eight. I didn't think that they were going to make it that much farther, but yeah, but I, it, it's, it's fun. That definitely is like one of those things that I look forward to every single year is like, and I think the fact that I don't know as much, I think makes it that much more fun. I think that I'm yeah, just like throwing shit at the wall and hoping that it and, sticks, you know, you know so it's, it's great. But well, I'm glad that we got a little bit of that out there. 
Also, I know we wanted to switch gears. We don't really want to talk too much about the Super Bowl because, you know, it's already eight days ago. You know, what has been, what we're going to say has probably been said already. But a couple things. Uh, one is, well, really two, is that both coordinators for the Eagles, and we've seen this a lot with teams that make very, very quick transitions. I mean, last year, the Eagles looked like a, a playoff team that were, were the worst playoff team. They looked terrible last year. And then this year, they look like world beaters. And it was a quick turnaround. And obviously, when teams need coaches, they look to the most successful guys. I mean, you look at D'Amico Ryans in San Francisco and what he's done with that defense and with injuries and everything. And then you look at the Eagles and you look at Sean Steichen, you look at Jonathan Gannon, what they've been able to do this year. Um, Really funny because I feel like both play callers didn't have their best games in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously Gannon's defense gave up 38 points and then the Arizona Cardinals in typical Arizona Cardinals fashion were like, you know what? Looks good. He's coming with us. And then the the Colts who for some reason led us to believe that they were going to hire Jeff Saturday long term for the longest time. They gave him like six interviews, which I was just convinced were just uh drinking sessions with Jim Ursay. Uh that would be a great name for a podcast, drinking sessions <laughs> with Jim Ursay. <laughs> Uh, I I think I just hatched a million dollar right. Well, he's already a billionaire, I guess, so it doesn't matter. But uh, and then you know they hire Steichen, which I think isn't. Which obviously, if we didn't know, they're going to draft a quarterback. There, you know, I mean, we we obviously know when you hire a young offensive coordinator, any offensive mind, you're going to give them the piece to mold. So it's probably going to be C.J. Stroud or or Bryce Young or Will Levis, one of those guys. That's going to, so, you know, the Colts are entering an interesting phase of their franchise now. I mean, I like the hires. I liked both of them. I didn't have a problem with either one of them. I thought Arizona, with the offensive firepower they have, I thought Arizona was going to go for more of a offensive hire. But I kind of feel like they maybe, maybe not panicked because they didn't make a hire right after. But I feel like once... Sean Payton was off the table. It was kind of like, well, shit, what do we do now? Like, and, and it kind of feel, felt like the same way with Denver when they wanted D'Amico Ryan yeah. real bad. And then after he went to Houston, they were like, well, what do we do now? We need to make a coaching splash. Let's trade nine picks to get, you know, Sean Payton. And I like it. I think you're really putting like every – within the next couple of years, if Denver doesn't come close to winning a Super Bowl, everyone is going to get fired. Because they have nothing left. It's a, it's a Rams situation all over again. Like if they don't win the Super Bowl in the next couple of years, they have nothing to give. They have no money, no picks, nothing. Yeah, I mean that's so. why it's so dangerous. Because like you know, it's not like you. I I know every I know everybody's goal is to try to win, and I know they believe they can win. But realistically, like even if you f- so called fix Russell Wilson. Are you are you really are you fixing him to the point that he's a championship caliber quarterback? Like, it's just it's kind of a weird thing for Sean Payton to sign up for. I feel like I'd almost wait. Like we know Brandon Staley's probably not going to have a job next year. I'd probably just wait. Like he, you know, he said he loved be, being at Fox. Sean Payton, why not just spend another year there and then wait for the Chargers? I well, you know, why tie yourself to Russell to a thirty five year old Russell Wilson like that? Where even if you fix him. 
you know, are you you're in the AFC? Are you beating Patrick Mahomes? Are you beating uh, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow? Are you even beating Justin Herbert? I mean, maybe this year because Brandon Staley is still there, but it's just. I, it makes sense for the Broncos. I think it's the best oh, yeah. you can do if you're the Broncos. I've got no problem with it. But if you're Sean Payton, I kind of wonder – I know money talks, but I kind of wonder why you tie yourself to Russell Wilson like that um, You know, with, with a team that doesn't really have an alternative if, if, if Russell Wilson isn't fixable. Well, given the um, amount of money that they're giving him, there is no alternative. He's going to have right. to – you, right. you know – there's no you know, even like two years him. from now, you know, it's not like you really have the draft picks. To, even two years from now, I don't think you have the draft picks to draft somebody. No. Uh, so it's... if you haven't noticed, I'm kind of turning this into like a whole recap of the coaching carousel. We 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 moved beyond just the Cardinals and Colts. Um, but uh, yeah, the Cardinals hire was interesting. Um, I see a lot of you know people. On, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, people are making fun of Jonathan Gannon because he seems to be a little bit awkward. Uh, you know, he's kind of got like like uh, no Adam you know, Gates. So he's got like high school teacher trying to be cool kind of energy. But um, people, you know, there are people who take themselves very seriously, and they're like, "How did this guy get the job over Eric Bieniemy when he's acting like this?" First of all, haven't you? This is Eagles fans just saying this too. Haven't you learned from Nick Sirianni, who looked like a buffoon in his first press conference, that it doesn't matter how you sound when you when you it just matters how you coach, like Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni sounded like he didn't know what he was doing at his first press conference, and he very clearly does. Yeah. Dan, everybody made fun of Dan Campbell, and they were like, "How did Eric Bieniemy not get an interview?" Like, and you know, and he's obviously a, a more than competent coach. It doesn't matter what you sound like. I'm not on the um, Bieniemy train. If you, you have what, uh... what matters more though is you know how you coach, and obviously yeah. the, the the defensive implosion in the Super Bowl, um, you know, leaves a little bit of question out there. Um, yeah. With that being said, being a head coach is about a lot more than. Then, yeah, I, I agree with you. And then you know, to flip it on on Steichen as well, the there I know that they scored thirty five points, but at the same time, there were very a lot of questionable offensive decisions that the Eagles made uh, early on in the game as well. And I mean, their offense, you know, kind of stalled a lot, especially on that um, that very very crucial drive where they came. I think I think actually Jason Kelsey of all people had a holding penalty or something that kind of derailed the drive, but. Uh, I'm kind of well, glad. It wasn't bad. I mean, I, I think they did what they needed to do. No, you know, right, but was, it, it wasn't bad. No, I, I, I think that it could have been better, though. And I know that's kind of crazy saying after they scored 35 points, but I think the offensive game plan could have been a little bit better. But at the same time, you know, younger coaches, first time being there, you know, a lot of things, you know, you kind of want to come out, you want to look flashy, you know, you want to go, I know what I'm doing. And then, you know, you know, it doesn't work. And then you're like, all right, well, let's go back to what was working the entire time that got us here. But I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the enemy because I kind of – I mean, this was a very strange move from the enemy himself because you think to yourself, you know, Patrick Mahomes, that's it. That's all I need to say. I mean, you got Travis Kelsey. You got a good offensive line. You got decent weapons. What are you doing going to Washington? But don't get me wrong. Washington has a lot of good weapons, but that's really it. Their offensive line's in shambles. They don't really have – we don't know what to expect from Sam Howell. You know, he looked okay in week 18, but not enough for me to go, yes, I want to go there to coach him. It feels like the implications of this hire were, hey, Eric, we're going to fire Ron Rivera at some point. So you just take the same role. And then as soon as we fire Ron Rivera, you know, you're, you'll just take over. And I feel like that's the only way that that was really a, a selling point for Eric Bieniemy. And I love these. And we've talked about this before with the D'Amico Ryan's hire. I love when people go, oh, well, 
He was the defensive coordinator of a great defense. Why would he go be a head coach of the, the Texans? You answered your own question. Two words, head coach. It's only 32 it's completely of different. It's completely, that's what made me, when I saw Biennemi was going to Washington, I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense to take the same, you know, the same job. And especially they gave him the assistant head coach moniker as well. Makes me think that they're kind of already in this predisposition that it's, well, we're going to fire Ron Rivera regardless of what happens this season. So we'll take the enemy now before someone else snaps him up. And then he'll just go seamlessly right into the head coaching spot, which doesn't seem like a terrible move if you look at it from Washington's standpoint. But I kind of I don't I don't feel bad for Ron Rivera, but at the same time I kind of feel like you're giving him an end date, or he's he's got an Armageddon already coming, yeah, like, well, regardless of how he does. Ron Rivera has a lot of personnel power, though. There, he's tech- he's basically like the GM. I know he's not the official GM, but when they hired him, they hired him, yeah. and then they hired a general manager. You know, he's in, mm-hmm. he hired his own general manager, so he's got a lot of say there. And I, I said to you on here before. I'm not really buying into the idea that he's going to roll with Sam Howell as his quarterback, even no, though he's I continued so to say Because it's for that reason. Like, why would you tie your job? You know, you know you're coaching for your job, I think. Why would you tie your job to a fifth rounder who started one game? And, you know, let's face it, even in the best case scenario, is going to be the, probably the worst quarterback in the division. You know, why, why would you do that? And at least bring in somebody to compete with him. Um, so, you know, if he's, if he really is rolling with Sam Howell and he's like, you know, he's super committed to him, I think he's kind of making his own grave there. Like, I, I, I just, I, I don't know why you'd set yourself up for failure like that. And maybe, maybe Sam Howell proved me wrong, but, um, but you know, that's, that's my feeling on it. Um, but yeah, if you're Eric Bieniemy, first of all, I mean, you know, the obvious draw is you get to be a play caller. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get something that you didn't have in Kansas City. Um, and that appeals to teams. I do think, though, that he's he's viewed as a, a very possible successor to uh, to Ron Rivera. And I think even he knows that if this doesn't work out this year, um, you know, all of a sudden now, you know, I might be the head coach and uh, we can draft a quarterback because, you know, mm-hmm. that likely means we do have a pretty high pick, maybe not the highest pick, but a pretty high pick and a loaded quarterback draft. So yeah. I can, you know, in a year. I'll get some play calling experience, and in a year, maybe uh, we can. I can have this team to myself, and I can have my quarterback. And you know, that's appealing to anybody. I don't care what city you put yeah. them in. I don't care if you put them in the most dysfunctional organization in, in the NFL, which th- this might be. Yeah. You know, if you get, if you get, uh, I, I don't want to call it a promise, but if you know you have a pretty good shot at your own quarterback, it's an under the team, table handshake deal. That's basically right. what it is. If you've got your own quarterback and your own team, you know, in a year, I'm taking, I don't care what team I am, what franchise I'm going to. That's all you can ask. Absolutely. For, so. But a- another thing too is, I mean, it's a can't lose situation for the enemy because you think to yourself, if they do roll with Sam Howell or any quarterback for that matter, and you have a terrible year as, as a play caller, well, this isn't the type of quarterback that I want to run my offense with. Right. That's yeah. It's going to be blamed on Sam Howell. It's probably not going to be blamed yeah, on the enemy. Exactly. I mean, That's, you're going to you're going into it with an already built in excuse for potential poor play. Whereas, well, you know, I, you know, even if say if they sign Derek Carr, oh well, I want more of a mobile quarterback. You know what I mean? Something like something like that. You could say there's there's a built-in excuse for everything. So I, I think it's a great move. I honestly, for once, think it's a great move for the Washington Commanders. Because it seems like it's already a built-in replacement for Ron Rivera, and 
you know, you you get that appeal of there are players out there that do want to play for Eric Bieniemy. So you yeah. get that you get that as well. I mean, coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree, there's a lot of appeal there to begin with. Patrick Mahomes to Washington. <laughs> no, shut up. Anybody? Travis Kelsey to Washington? <laughs> I'll give you the next 70. Honestly, I think Washington could give Kansas City the next 75 first-round picks, and they would say no. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd offer the whole draft. One through seven. I'd, I'd offer the whole draft for the next five years for yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Yep, the whole draft. That, <laughs> that's, you, you know what's funny? I did a um, – on P, just quickly before we you know move – I did a, on PFF, you could trade players for draft compensation, like during the draft. So I wanted to see how much it would take the Jets to get Patrick Mahomes. And let's just say that we don't have a draft class for the next three years, and it still wasn't enough to get him. So, uh, you know, just I, it's really funny how those trade engines work. But I, I think that it's, it's a good move for Washington. Um, and hey, now – while we're on the subject of quarterbacks potentially moving, even though obviously you were kidding saying that Patrick Holmes is on the move. Uh, one quarterback that we wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about in the last couple of weeks who potentially could be on the move is Lamar Jackson. And I'll be honest with you, Washington would be one of the destinations on my list. If, you know, well, I mean, not for Lamar Jackson, I'm saying like, like that would be a potential trade candidate. Would he want to go there? I'm not sure, but it seems like there's really, for me, there's only three real destinations for Lamar Jackson. Obviously, if you guys don't know, there's been reports coming out that Lamar Jackson's basically completely done with the Baltimore Ravens organization. For me, I can't really blame him. They haven't surrounded him with nearly enough offensive talent that he needs. Or, I mean, you look at other teams surround their players with offensive talent. Like look at Joe Burrow, for instance. Like, you know. After he got his knee decimated, they gave, they tried to give him an entire offensive line. They gave him a number one wide receiver. You know, they they got T. Higgins in the same draft as him too. They basically built in two number one wide receivers for him, and, and we just haven't seen that from Lamar for Lamar Jackson. And I don't know if it's it it, it, it kind of seems like at this point, Dan, that it's just a it's a a non willingness to commit to him long term because we would have seen a deal long term now. At this point, yeah, there's yeah, this has been going on for two years. He's been extension eligible for two years, yeah, uh, uh, literally two years because it would be the end of the end of his third season, which was 2020. I'm uh, not 2021. Uh, well, the 2020 season, it was the beginning of the calendar year 2021, so it's been two years and they haven't had a deal. And you know, that probably tells you all you need to know, you know, not to say that there hasn't been a deal struck uh, this late before for a, a, a quarterback, but. You know, this is this is Lamar Jackson. Like he's the priority. It's not like you know Orlando Brown, who's played five years with the Chiefs, well, with the Ravens and the Chiefs, and now needs a contract and has not one yet. Like this is your quarterback. Um, look, I still think the Ravens want to keep him. I, I think they, I think they want to keep him. I and honestly, yeah. I don't really, I'm not sure. I have the sense that Lamar Jackson directly wants out. I think if he did, he'd tell them by now. However, there's clearly some kind of gap there that is not being. The, they're not meeting between. They're not filling this gap. And it doesn't look like they're getting close to filling this gap. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you believe the reports from last year, and Lamar Jackson's kind of confirmed it, he wants a fully guaranteed contract. Um, and then, you know, you, you could you blame Deshaun Watson for that because Deshaun yeah, Watson... Would, especially after going through contract. sexual assault allegations and you still get a guaranteed contract. 
I mean, yeah, but, that's pretty. But here's the deal there. Like, and this may be why Lamar Jackson eventually moves. You keep talking, Dan. I got to go pay. I'll be right back. Why Lamar Jackson might eventually move uh, is that D- Deshaun Watson was able to get a guaranteed contract because he was essentially a free agent. He wasn't technically, Deshaun Watson wasn't technically a free agent, uh, but he got a chance to pick his, his new destination. And the reason he, the reason he picked Cleveland is they were willing to give him a fully guaranteed contract. Lamar Jackson does not have that kind of leverage with the Ravens. Uh, but if he wanted to ask for a trade and all of a sudden he's got all these teams going after him, whether that's the Jets, uh, the Falcons, you know, Panther, I don't know, whoever, whoever out is out there in the market for a quarterback, the commanders, uh, all of a sudden they can kind of they can kind of bid for him. And the way you bid for him is not just all the draft picks you'd have to give up, uh, but the, the the guaranteed contract you could give him. Uh, so, you know, it may come down to at the end of the day, if Lamar Jackson wants out and the Ravens aren't able to give him a guaranteed contract, uh, that one of those four teams or five teams or six teams or whoever actually has the draft picks to trade for him is able to say, well, look, we'll give you a guaranteed contract, the kind of guaranteed contract uh, that other teams aren't willing to give. Um, you know, the, the, the point being, Lamar Jackson has leverage, but not with the Ravens. He can, he can tell them he wants out, and all of a sudden he may be able to get that contract. Uh, but if you're franchise tagged, you know, and you want to stay in Baltimore, and the Ravens are your top option, uh, you know, you, the Ravens would probably much rather have you play under a franchise tag than hand you a guaranteed contract. Oh, that was intense. So now that you're back, what I was saying was Deshaun Watson was able to have leverage and get a guaranteed contract because he was basically having teams bidding for him, even though he wasn't a free agent. Lamar Jackson doesn't have the type of leverage with the Ravens, but all of a sudden, if he wanted a trade, now you have a, now you can kind of get a guaranteed contract from some team because now teams are bidding for you. So that's kind of why I, I wonder how this ends without some kind of trade request being involved. Yeah, I, I mean, there's and there are teams out there that are already have not stated, but have already been rumored to be completely, you know, for trading for Lamar Jackson and giving up an insane amount of assets and. For me, I got to think that the, you know, the the Atlanta Falcons are in the mix there. I got to think the Carolina Panthers, who were very, very close to getting Deshaun Watson last year. And the Falcons were were very involved in that, too. And the Saints, if they don't end up with Derek Carr, I mean, they were in it for Watson. So, yeah. And um, they have the money, but they, they make it, they always make it work. Yeah, somehow they, their cap uh, gymnastics that they always do every single year, but there are trades. There are suitors for Lamar Jackson, obviously. I mean, a name that's been tossed around endlessly is the, the, the jets. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel me. I wouldn't be the biggest fan of giving up and a tremendous amount of assets and a tremendous amount of money for Lamar Jackson. I'll take anybody we can get. I, yeah, I'll take anyone that we can get. That's not going to cost us years and years of cap space and, and draft yeah, but, but at least he's there for years and years. You know, you get. I want Aaron Rodgers. Like, don't get me wrong. Because I want Derek Carr. Honestly, I know I that might be. A, I'm desperate be. for a quarterback. I don't really care who it is. I don't yeah. really want Jimmy Garoppolo. But other than that, I'm fine. Uh, but you know, with Aaron Rodgers, it's it's maybe it's year to year. At least you get Lamar Jackson. I mean, at least you're you you have him for ten years if he's well, still you have him you have him for ten time. years, but you have him for twelve games when he misses the last five games of each. Yeah, season. Yeah, I mean that's a concern. But the Jets can uh, the Jets. I'd rather have eight games of him than 
17 of Zach Wilson. So I, I, I would rather have one game of Lamar Jackson <laughs> than 17 games of Zach Wilson. But, I mean, that's just a personal preference for me because I, I just – I, I just know it's going to cost too much. And you know me, me being a salary cap, draft capital guy, I, I just, I can't see me putting on a, a, a happy face seeing the Jets trade four first round picks and multiple assets and giving Lamar Jackson a guaranteed $50 million a year. I can't see myself being happy about that. I also can't see myself being happy about giving up probably two first round picks and and an asset like Elijah Moore or something to get uh, Aaron Rodgers. Right. I, I I can't see my especially at 39 years old and 965 million dollars uh, that he's probably going to be getting. I you know I I just feel like free agency is the way to go, especially with Derek Carr being there. I think you throw I think you throw 30 million dollars a year at Derek Carr and just kind of roll with it for the next four years. At 31 years old, he's you know I, he's obviously not the youngest option, but 31 is like 25 for any other position in the NFL. Right. So. Right. I, I saw a notif- I got a notification this morning. I, I don't know who reported it, so I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Um, but I, I, I like rolled my eyes. It's like the Jets believe that Derek Carr can win them a championship. They're oh my right god! I was like, "There's no way they believe that." I'm sorry. Maybe <laughs> in the NFC, you know, maybe you get to the Super Bowl in the NFC because nobody, you know, nobody's playing quarterback there except for Jalen Hurts. But I mean, come on. Like, do you really oh. believe that? I mean, no, but did did we really believe that Matt Stafford was the missing piece for the LA well, Rams? I mean, that's why that's why like I look at this team and that's why I'm fine with a Derek Carr because we this team could have went twelve and five with the with the Derek Carr this year. And part of me also very, very truly believes that Josh McDaniels was the problem. Yes. Uh, in Vegas this past year. I believe that if we I hope Aaron Rodgers knows that too, if we if if he's choosing between the Jets and Raiders. Um, so, you know, I actually, I'd be very, I'd be excited by Derek Carr, a championship, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe not, but Let's pump the brakes on that. But, um, but I tell you what, it was Jeff Darlington that reported. He's a very credible reporter. I'll tell you what, think about this. Think about this. Hear me out. Maybe this was a two or three fold type of answer by the jets where it's like, well, we could bring Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson and, and we could be cap strapped. We could be, you know, we, we won't have draft picks. We won't have money to sign wide receivers because of how much money we're going to have to put into these guys and stuff. Maybe by saying that Derek Carr gives them more flexibility to make those roster moves that they need to make and put a better team around him. That's I mean, obviously, that's the way that I'm thinking. That's probably not the, the reason why they gave that answer. Obviously, they're not going to go, well, hey, Derek Carr is better than Zach Wilson, so we'll give it a shot. They're not going to say that, obviously, but – you know, that's I love when people take like things that team officials say too literally. When I was talking to one of my my friends as a Jet fan, and he was like, "Well, they said that they're gonna they're gonna stick with Zach Wilson." I was like, "Do you honestly believe yeah. that?" I was like, no, "Do you?" A lot like- of people have fallen for that. No, what I've noticed is if you bring up the Jets like to a non-Jets fan anywhere, they always like bring up like Zach Wilson going forward. It's like. He's not you, going forward. You that Zach Wilson's going to be their starter next year. There's a zero percent chance unless somebody's injured. Doesn't it bother you? Like, I look back at certain things where it's like, you know, if the Jets didn't win a meaningless game here, a meaningless game here, you know, they could have had they could have had Trevor Lawrence, you know, maybe, or if Trevor Lawrence still went number one overall, 
They could have had Micah Parsons. You know, it's just like I always think about things like that where I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why do we always make the wrong choice? Well, not always make the wrong choice. This past year was a, a shining star of a draft class yeah. for the Jets. But, I mean, you know, we're we're always moving on from like – like recently drafted players like Ashton Davis is probably going to be a cut cap casualty, a third round pick. What two years ago or three years ago is going to be a cap casualty this year. Like Makai Beckton is made out of glass bones and paper skin. Like even if he plays, he's still considered a bust in my opinion. You can go back to the John Isaac era when he took D Milliner and Calvin Pryor and back to back first rounds. I know he got Sheldon Richardson out of one of those, but uh, yeah, well, Sheldon only really had like three or four good years with the Jets, anyway. Yeah, for a third, for a thirteenth overall pick, he was fine. I mean, you know, they just yeah. didn't, they didn't want to keep him around. He was because he was not part of the current regime. But yeah, D. Milliner and Calvin Pryor back to back, both top twenty picks. Amazing. Dude, I, saw, I saw a picture like I, I don't know how long ago it was of D. Milliner, and he was like. <laughs> And he was like a gangbanger. He was like fat, out of shape. I'm like, there's no way that this player was a, was on the Jets. Like, there's no way this guy was is D Milner. And it was him. It was it was it was pretty funny to see. But you know, it at least this past draft class gave us hope to to the future. You know, you get three studs in the first round, then you turn around. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you, Dan. I wasn't the I was optimistic about taking Brees Hall in round two, but I was not a big fan of taking a running back in round two for the Jets, especially after what we saw from Michael Carter the year before. I was like, is there really a reason why they took him? And I mean, before the emergence of Garrett Wilson, he was their best offensive player hand down. You know, though, when it's your when it's your fourth different like second round is one thing, but when it's your fourth pick in the draft, I get it. You know, if yeah. it's for the right guy. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a take a running back high type of person. I don't think really anybody is anymore. I, I am. I'll take a running back in the first round, no problem. All right, well, you'll take Bijan Robinson in the first round, right? But you know, not everybody was convinced that that, that that's and Jameer Gibbs <laughs> and Jameer Gibbs. Not everybody was convinced that that's what Brees Hall was. But when you're, you know, when you're a team's fourth pick, and you know the first three, uh, you know, we're all we're all as good as they were. I mean, we didn't know for sure at that point, but we were all very high on that draft class, and it turned out to be right. Uh, then I think it's worth it. And yeah, Brees Hall was the was the heart of that offense for a while, and. I'm 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 excited. I you know I can't wait. If I just hope they build up the offensive line, you know that's why that's why maybe you can win something with Derek Carr because you've got Brees Hall in the backfield. Uh, Garrett Wilson, I truly believe, is going to be a top ten receiver in the NFL by the end of next year. Um, I'm already getting. I'm already looking forward to ranking him on my when I do the the top twenty by position. Oh, I can't wait! July. I'm so excited because he's going to be on there. Like he's he's a guy who like completely passes the eye test. Dude, already. you can't tell me that you like. Anyone that will go against you, this is your answer, Dan. One thousand one. I don't. I know his stats right off the top of my head. Eighty-three catches for one thousand one hundred and eighty-two yards with four touchdowns with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and God and Mike White as his starting quarterbacks. Yeah, no. The, the anybody who who criticizes him being ranked high because he's going to be up there is probably the same type of person who's like, "Ha Zach Wilson is the Jets' quarterback." Like they don't put two and two together. I'm going to send you to defend him, though. If anybody comes for that, wherever I rank him, just, I'm going to all send you have to do, Dan, all you have to do is just just at me underneath yeah, that comment, no, and I will go to town. You, you can Don't take worry. care of it. You've already got that stats in your head. You're good. I mean, that was and that was no bullshit. That was right off the top no, of my I head. I, wasn't. I didn't question you for a second. I know. I completely believe you, <laughs> dude. Because I've been defending Garrett Wilson as 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 a 
Well, I go a little further. I say that he's top 15 already, just considering what no, we- he might be. He might be. I just don't. I, I need to give it a look. Um, I think it's I know a- since I do top 20, I know he's going to be on there. No yes. doubt. Yes. Yes. It's about time. But he it's might be top 15. I just got to. I haven't taken a look in a while. Uh, I usually don't really worry about that until after free agency. So, but he's going to be up there. He's earned it. He's a, he's a, a stud. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what, like you might think you might listen to us right now and think how God, this is so pathetic, but like, you don't realize how long we've gone without having like legitimate homegrown receiver be as good as Garrett Wills. I mean, and I'm not talking about Eric Decker. I'm not talking about Brandon Marshall. Those guys were signed guys. They were not homegrown guys. Uh, Let's see a new law. Oh my God! If that's our, well, I mean, if, if, how how far back are we going here? <laughs> I'm going back until I could find someone that I think is a is a legitimate good option as a homegrown yeah, well, talent. Okay, not Quincy Noonan then, but he's he's maybe the best of the past uh, years. Was Jericho Cotter even drafted by the Jets? I have no idea. That was I don't before. think he was. And that's honestly, how long ago it was. I don't. I wasn't even around for it. I, I remember I him playing. Alive Jericho. when Jericho Cotter was drafted. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go all the way back and say Keyshawn Johnson was the last time that the Jets drafted a legitimate number one wide receiver. Yeah, I mean you can make the case that Garrett Wilson is. I mean he's already better than anybody in the last twenty years that they drafted. That's so sad because he's better than Jericho Cotri was. I mean if if he has if he's not already he's gonna be next year. <laughs> Which yeah that that's so sad. It's so sad. All right, I'm done with this. Uh, let's remember. About. Let's remember this started with Lamar Jackson. And yeah, they started with Lamar Jackson, then talking about Garibos. Yeah, to, to round it out, um, you know, since it's, since the franchise tag window opens uh, tomorrow, and maybe today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, um, you know, this ends in 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 one of, I guess, three or four ways. And you know, one is they can work out a long term contract, and well, you know, one is the Ravens give in and they give them a guaranteed deal, and they say, listen, too valuable, too important to our brand. Uh, we got we got to just give him what he wants because otherwise he's going to ask to leave. Uh, number two is he gives in and says, "I don't need a guaranteed contract. Just meet me in the middle." Which obviously they haven't they haven't done that I don't yet. Going to happen? I don't think so either, or at least not you know at least not yet. Um, you know, the third option is a trade request, which could happen. Or the fourth is they they just keep going the Kirk Cousins route and they just keep tagging him <sighs> endlessly. Uh, the third, the third franchise tag is where it becomes like an untenable number. The second you can get away with. It's so, like it's like ninety million dollars. Yeah. No, so so technically, this can drag on under the franchise tag with no deal for two more years. Um, but you know, if you're Lamar Jackson at that point, why do you even do that? Just get, go get go get your money somewhere else and, and ask yeah. ask to be traded. Obviously, they don't want they don't want to pay you at that point. So um, yeah. So there, there's like four different ways this can play out and. The, the last option means it may not even play out a certain way for another two years, but who knows? Who knows? I, I It feels like it's got to come to a head at some point. And it feels like – I know this is just speculation, but doesn't it feel like those two sides don't really love each other right now? Oh, like yeah. It's, it's felt like that for a long time. A bunch of cryptic things. And, and I, ironically, they've – well, coincidentally or not, they've – the cryptic posts have kind of stopped – ever since the season ended, which makes me think he was having a lot of issues with the way they handled this injury. Yeah. So. Well, not traveling with the team against Cincinnati was like the biggest red flag right there where it was like. Oh, yeah, yeah, listen, my theory, and it's only a theory, is that you remember when he first got hurt, 
John Harbaugh was like, or the, at least the Ravens leaked that like, oh yeah, we hope he's going to be back on Christmas Eve. We think it's a, it's a, they didn't even rule him out for a game, like until the day of the day before mm-hmm. that, that first game that he missed. And then they're like, all right, well he, you know, he, we're hoping he's back on Christmas Eve. And I, part of me wonders if Lamar Jackson's upset that they leaked that, you know, to kind of uh, downplay his injury and then kind of turn the fans against him. Cause that's what happened. Like the fans were kind of like, Hey, why aren't you out here? You're only not out here because of your contract. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not sure. I believe that, but I wonder if he's, I wonder if he's saying like, or if he's thinking, you know, well, you made it sound like I was healthy and then not playing when really I wasn't healthy. And that's why he put out that tweet himself saying like, here's, here's what my MRI showed. No stability. I have a grade two sprain of this. Because he might have felt like the Ravens were downplaying his injury intentionally. That's just speculation. I, I wonder if if that you know it, I kind of gave me uh, very awkward vibes from that whole injury situation. And I wonder yeah. if he thought the Ravens were kind of trying to undermine. But I, I agree. I definitely agree with you on that. I, I think it's it's going to be it's a situation right now that's not being talked about as much. I feel like, or it's getting like talked about in like casual passing conversation that. I feel like it's going to be a much bigger problem once the NFL offseason begins and we just see that we go days and weeks and maybe months without a deal. And then we just go, you know, all right, just trade me. And then I, and then I log on to Instagram and the first thing that pops up is Lamar Jackson requests trade and it's all sports news that made the post. And yeah. You know, so the, the next big thing, maybe before the fran- before the franchise tag deadline and probably not going to turn into anything, but it'll at least be interesting um, is the NFL combine where, you know, yeah. every GM has an, a media availability. So I, I, I like to hear what Eric DaCosta has to say. You know, I hope they, I know it's not draft related, but I hope, I hope they press him on it. And they're like, Hey, a month ago, you said there's a 200% chance he's coming back. That's what John Harbaugh said. Uh, any update? Like, have you, have you negotiated with him? We're working on it. You know, you, you know, the answer is going to be like, Oh, we've been in touch with Lamar, but like, I hope they press him on it. Like, hey, the free agency is coming up. And yeah, yeah, we know you're going to tag him. But like, have you made progress at all? Anything? Has he shown a willingness to, to negotiate? Uh, so I, I think those comments will be a little interesting. I agree. I 100% agree. And I'm, I'm excited to see how it falls out because a part of me really just loves the chaos and the drama and the, you know, gossip of the NFL offseason. But Dan... We have come to the closing of episode 28. Uh, I thought that was, considering that we really didn't have much to talk about, I thought that was fantastic. We got into a little bit of a heated bicker about the uh, NBA All-Star game, and I, I appreciate it. competitive play. That's all I want. Uh, and I disagree. But <laughs> I <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed that. Whoa. I turned off that light behind me, and <laughs> did you see how dark it made everything? But... Um, you know, I, I appreciate the good banter every once in a while. And like we said before, you know, we're going to go in that de- will then we'll go in depth as the weeks go, go by with college basketball. And we were actually tossing around the idea of doing a mock draft, maybe even next week, possibly depending on how much news there really is to report on. Yeah. So look out for that in case we might just do it anyway, maybe like a little bit of a refined version, not go as, as far deep into it, but uh, you should be excited about what we got coming up. We got a lot of good things coming up. So Thank you guys for listening to this one. Dan, I want you to close it out, big guy. Yeah, episode 28. I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by how much we got into this one. With, uh, you know, it's let's face it, it's February 20th. There's not a ton going on, and we didn't really cover the Super Bowl. But we, we, we got some good things going here. And I think 
uh, a lot of what we talked about, right, has to do with March, March Madness, yes. NFL free agency. There's a lot uh, that's uh, to be determined. So I think the next few episodes are going to be pretty good. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully next week, maybe we'll give you a mock draft. If not, I think it, it'll still be uh, a great one as always. So thanks, everybody.